good to see everyone today. Glad you're here. And hopefully the electronics will work. That's, you know, the, the devil's always in the electronics. All right, here we go. We're going to be good. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my name is Gary Johnson. Uh, I'm the executive director, director of missions in Miami. Uh, we just live 45 minutes north here. We live in Keller Bay, so uh, I feel right at home. I've been here a n- number of times. Who is God? What is his name? You know, I, I guess when we get older, at least as I get older, I'm becoming more philosophical. I don't know if anybody else has that problem. Maybe some of the guys do. But, uh, you know, you, you look at the world a lot different than you do when you're young. And so today I'm going to, you know, kind of walk through maybe a little bit of a worldview message. Uh, and maybe it doesn't apply to you personally, but I think it applies to many people that we know. So uh, hang on, and maybe I'll be able to share some things uh, that you'll be able to share later. <clears throat> Who is God? What is his name? It seems like we live in a world that God is everywhere, but people don't recognize him. I mean, we have, we have his name on our money, but, uh, you know, people don't, you know, they don't really trust. They trust in their money more than they trust in God. Uh, so God is at work everywhere, but what do we see? What does the world see? What, what do they think? All right. All right, here we go. I never thought I would live long enough that the most controversial verse in the Bible would be Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1, of course, we all know that. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, what could be controversial about that? But yet we live in a, a day where it is the most controversial verse. If I get a chance to talk to young people, which I still do from time to time, uh, I bring this up, and they want to argue about it because for the last, what, 50 years? We have been taught evolution, and evolution is king in our society. In the beginning, right there is, is controversial, meaning there is a beginning. You know, some people think you know that the, you know that the, the universe is eternal, or uh, you know, in the beginning was so many years ago, billions of years. Uh, the latest statistics I've read is that they believe that our Earth is 14 billion years old. But in the universe and, and, and far beyond is hundreds of billions of years. So in the beginning is controversial. God is controversial. There's so many people today that, that God is kind of, you know, the word is, is kind of strange that to some people in our society, that he created, that he created something out of nothing, that, that God created. It's, it's, a, it's a controversial verse. And, it, and really, if you want to talk to young people, ask them about that. Get their thoughts on Genesis 1-1. You'll be surprised how controversial it can be. Uh, the word God is in the Bible a lot. Uh, I tried to camp, believe it or not, I tried. Uh, I, got, I got up to about 30,000. <clears> That's with all the different words uh, for God, Lord, and so forth. But, you know, it is his book. It's his story, history. The Bible is history of what God has done in our world, His people, what He is doing even today. Uh, the word Elohim in the Hebrew is the word that is used in Genesis chapter 1. And uh, Elohim, you guys have probably heard that before, uh, but it's the plural of the word El. Elohim. El, El Shaddai, El, Elion. There, there are several Hebrew words with with that root of El. But El Elohim is the word that's used in Genesis chapter 1. And just think about it. It's the plural. 
In Genesis 1.26, you're familiar with this passage as well. God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Let us make man in our own image. Now, who's he talking to? Now, as Christians, you know, we've read the New Testament and the Old Testament. We, we have an idea that this is the beginning of explaining the Trinity. Um, but let us make that Elohim, plural of El. Uh, the idea of Trinity is throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And maybe you and I have a hard time explaining it, but the idea is there, even though the word's not used. Uh, the picture of that is when Jesus was baptized. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and Him I am well pleased. You're familiar with that. We see the idea, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I just picked one verse out of many, but Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13. Uh, and as he closes out that, cha- that book, he goes, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You, you, you see the, the idea of Trinity. You, you see Trinity throughout the Scripture, even in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, the Shema, the, the, the passage that was drilled into the children. And uh, wouldn't we be better off if we drilled some Bible verses on our kids today? But the, the Bible verse that they, would, that they would memorize is, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. There's several words in there that we that we read in Hebrew for God, for the Lord. The Lord is one Lord. So we have one God, but He reveals Himself more than just one way. You, are you with me? You're still with me. You're, you're, you're better you're asleep. But, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one Lord. Let us make man, let us make man in our image. Uh, There are so many names for God throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Uh, I mean, it is amazing the different passages of Scripture that try to explain who God is, who Jesus is. I mean, when I read these many different words in me, it, it, it brings praise in my heart. I mean, it's like a diamond. You know, they, they say, of course, I haven't been around so many diamonds. But a diamond, if you look at it, there are different angles. There's diff- you know, it has a different look. Anybody have any diamonds? No, you're afraid to raise your hand. Huh? Anyway, when we look at God, you, one word cannot describe who God is. He is many different things. He, he reveals himself many different ways. Depends on what part of life you're in, how God reveals Himself to you. Now, the word Jehovah or Yahweh is probably used the most times. It's, it's used 7,000 times throughout the Scripture. Uh, I have some friends who are Jehovah Witnesses. They think Jehovah is, is His only name. But really, Yahweh uh, is used uh, interchangeably with Jehovah. In fact, the word Yahweh, when, when, when it is spelled out, in, in, in Miami, we have several Messianic churches. And when they read the word Yahweh, they stop and pause. 
They don't even read the Word because His name is so holy, they don't want to misread it. They don't want to missay it. So when they come to Yahweh, it is spelled Y-H-W-H. So you, you can't say that. So even if you're reading by accident, you come across His name, you stop. You, you, you can't read it because His name is so holy. It cannot be expressed. God is so wonderful. I mean, just the idea that there is God. He is the Creator God. You know, who are we? What did we create? Or even procreate, our children or grandchildren. But God is the Creator. He's holy. He's wonderful. And one word cannot explain who He is. Now, you're familiar with the story, the passage of the burning bush. Remember when when, uh, Moses was out on the backside of the desert and God was calling him to go back to Israel, to go back to Egypt, to bring Israel out of Egypt. You're familiar with that story. I like this this passage. Moses said to God, "If, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I love that. God says, you, you, want, you don't want to know my name? My name is I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I love that passage, trying to figure out who God is and what is his name. I am who I am. Now, I can tell there's some teachers that are here. and I, You know, I just barely got through school. So uh, I'm, I, you, you correct me uh, if I get this wrong. But, but uh, I am who I am is in the imperfect tense. I just thought that's the way I normally talk is imperfect. But, but the imperfect tense is an action that is not completed. Like if I use the word, I walked into the room, I did walk into the room, that is a completed action. Uh, I can tell you, you know, I want to walk in the room. That's an action that's going to take place. I'm walking in the room is an action that you're doing right now. But the imperfect tense is something that's not completed. When God says, I am who I am, it's an action, and it is being done, and it's going to continue to be done. It is not completed. It's imperfect. God's name is really a verb. It's not a noun. My name is Gary. That's a noun. It kind of sums things up, but I am, it is a verb, and, and, and God is in action. He's always in action. He always has been in action. He will be in action. His name is a verb. I love that. God says, I am who I am. God's always at work. Now, he tells us to take a break, but he is always at work. And, you know, sometimes we look at somebody and we just say, well, God's not working them, or, you know, they're a hopeless cause. I remember... Uh, I was, and I share my testimony here. I was saved when I was serving in the Navy, and that's been a long time ago. But I was the first person in my family to be saved. And I remember praying for my parents. They were in their 50s at the time, and I thought, you know, they'll never, you know, they just don't get it. And they got saved. God was at work in them, even though I didn't see it. Uh, this past week, our association had a, uh, a conference on sex trafficking, which is a problem. Uh, in Miami, we had a, a, a we had really a great conference. We had Homeland Security and so forth there. We had two ladies that were middle-aged ladies, but they had been victims when they were teenagers. And a, a, a girl, her name uh, Dr. Uh, Rosenblatt. You guys may have heard of her. She she actually works for uh, Miami-Dade Police now, trying to help young girls that that were caught. She's she's doing great. She's got a doctor degree. She's sharp. Uh, 
young lady, of course, as I get older, as I look around, some of you are older, uh, everybody's looking young. You ever notice that? And they said the young people. Anyway, Dr. Rosenblatt shared her story. Uh, You know, she was 15 years old, and she looked at herself, and she she couldn't believe she was a cocaine addict. She had dropped out of school. She had had sex with many, many men. And she was a mess at 15 years of age. And she remembered going to church. And in church, she overheard some people say, look at her, she's a loser at 15 years of age. Today, she's born again, has a doctorate degree, and she's reaching out to help hundreds or thousands of young kids. But let me encourage you, never use that language. If somebody were to look at me at age 17, back in the 70s, long hair, I, you may, I didn't go to church, so I didn't hear anything like that, but, but I would have looked like a loser. I was in the hospital with drunk driving, and, you know, okay, if my life would have ended there, I would have been a loser. Praise God my life didn't end there. Praise God your life didn't end there. I don't know when our life is going to end, but don't use the language, oh, what a loser. Maybe they're in trouble. Maybe they're not doing so good, but God's always at work. He's always at work. I passed the guy hitchhiking, driving down here on US-1. Of course, I didn't give him a ride. I wanted to get here. But you know what? God's at work in his life as he is in your life. God's always at work. You may not see it, but if we're still breathing, God is still at work in our lives. He's working around the world. He's involved in people's lives. He's at work always, even though he tells us to take a break. And you can't really figure out our circumstances. Like, like our circumstances don't really tell the story. Uh, some people may be doing great. Doesn't mean that God's blessing them. Some people are doing bad. Doesn't mean that God's abandoned them, right? So sometimes we, we all go through difficult circumstances. Yeah, I, I mean, we all do. So what is the circumstances? God may be revealing to that person. Sometimes we have to get in bad circumstances to look to the Lord, right? I mean, you never know what God is doing, but He's at work, always. I'm six. I hit I hit sixty this week, this year, and uh, you know, life is hard. I keep waiting for it to get easy. When does it get easy? You know, it, it, it's it's different circumstances. You know, I, I can identify with Homer. Uh, life is very fast. I came across this quote by uh, John Wayne. It says, "Life is hard, and it's harder if you're stupid." Now, you may not be able to read that, but I, I can identify with that, too. Uh, but life is hard. I mean, we all can be in the middle of a difficult situation, a difficult circumstance. It doesn't mean that God's left us. It means we really claim Him and cling to Him and turn to Him and trust Him more and more every day. At least I do. He's promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? But we, we like to complain. The Israelites complain. In the Old Testament, here they were. I read this in, our, in my quiet. I just finished the book of Numbers in my quiet time. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Israelites complained. They were in the middle of the desert, which was bad, but God was with them. He was with them a pillar of fire, uh, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He had parted the Red Sea. He had, he had provided manna for them. 
He had provided quite you know, God was with them. You know what is interesting? Their sandals didn't wear out during 40 years in the desert. Man, you know, you got kids, they wear out. What, you know, you buy stuff today, it wears out before you take it off. It, but here, here, are the, here are the Israelites. They were complaining in Numbers 11. The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortune. When the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. The people cried to Moses, Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire abated. You know, I mean, how many of us, don't raise your hand, but how many of us complain? Yeah, don't raise your hand. Uh, we are complaining, you know, really complaining is kind of a natural part of life. You know, we, you know, no matter how good you have it, it can always be better. No matter what we have, we can always have more. Uh, but you and I, as Christians, live beyond the natural. We live supernatural. We, we are not supposed to be like the rest of the world. Amen? Uh, I like this passage in Philippians. You know, Paul writes, he writes this while he's in jail. And, and he writes, for God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Boy, that is tough. He writes it. I mean, he'd been shipwrecked. He'd been beat. He'd been cast into prison, and he hadn't broken any laws. I mean, uh, but he writes this, and he says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light in, in the world. In other words, if you live a life without complaining and grumbling, you shine. Because everybody is a grumbler and complainer. And if you don't, you shine. You, you, you're, you shine as a light in the world. And people are attracted to that light. They're attracted to you. And you have the answers. You know the Lord. You, you can help many people. But we're no better than the world if all we do is grumble and complain. We're just like everybody else. And the world is looking for something. They're looking for hope. They're looking for something. And you and I have the answer. Well, there are many other names for the Lord. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Jehovah Rapi, the Lord heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. As I was studying this, putting this together, the Lord is our banner. You know, I, I never really understood that. But man, just, just think, if you're, you're under the banner of the Lord, He's in charge. You, you know, you... He's, you're His children. Man, I, I mean, I, I just really got excited just knowing that, that I'm okay because God's over me. That, that encourages me. Emmanuel, another word that we read throughout the Scripture. You know what it means. We, we share this one at Christmas with an E because it's New Testament. Uh, God is with us. He does not forsake us. He loves us. He desires to be with us. The presence, when Jesus came in the world, they said, call him Emmanuel, is God with us. He's with us bodily. He's right here with us. Psalm, uh, Psalm 23, another word, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I, man, that's another encouraging word. He, he shepherds us. He, he takes care of us, guides us. He leads us. He's going to take care of us. Man, I, I need somebody to take care of me. Society has changed a lot. Thirty last thirty, I've been I've been a pastor kind of guy in some kind of ministry for thirty five years. 
Man, we don't do anything like we used to do in church. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody. Today. I, was, I didn't know whether to wear a suit or not. You know, because, you know, churches, you know, every church is different. Do you wear a suit? You know, if I wore a suit to some churches, they look damn. If I don't wear a suit to some churches, they look, you know, you never know. Uh, society has changed, and they're changing. Morals have changed. We've seen that this year with our Supreme Court. You know, the, the morality of our society has changed. But the Bible is absolute truth. It's absolutely true, but it's absolute truth. So when we read something in the Bible, you and I, we don't question it. We may not understand it. There's a lot I don't understand. But I know I can count on it. That's true because God is true. His Word is true. But, but like that, uh, thou shalt not lie. You know, that's good truth. Our society, well, a little white lie. Our, uh, my mother-in-law is in assisted living. She's 88. She's in assisted living. She gets things confused. I don't know. You probably don't get anything confused. But she gets things confused. And uh, so the, the director of, of assisted living said, well, Joy, she's t- talking to my wife. So Joy, just, you know, just, just say this to her. And she goes, well, that'd be lying. My wife, now, my wife will not lie. I can't get away with anything. You know, I've been on probation for 34 years. But, but my wife is not going to lie. She's not going to do a little white lie to appease her mom so her mom doesn't get things confused. But anyway, she was supposed to tell her mom that she'd been to the doctor and the doctor didn't, you know, that he, he, he got it wrong and, he, you know, it's all taken care of. So anyway, so Joy's, you know, and she, she's really a, so she calls her mom. She's going she's to give this little white lie. And, her mom says, oh, you know, Ann was here. She's the director, and she told me she talked to the doctor. She got everything straight. And, oh, Joyce was relieved. She didn't have to lie. Our society says it's okay to lie. The Word of God says you shall not lie. You know, that's, I mean, the Bible is true. Now, we, we, we massage things and make things the way we want them to be. Uh, that's how our society changes. Because many, our society doesn't get it, right? I mean, you, you understand that. I mean, you don't have to drive very far. You just watch the news. Our society is changing. They don't understand. You know, they, if it feels good, do it. Paul writes in the book of Acts, uh, and, and, and I think we can identify with this. He, he's standing in the middle of the Aragopolis, and he said, Men of Athens have perceived that in every way you are very religious. For as I... Passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found also the altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. You know, I, I think our society is like that. You know, I mean, you, you listen to the news, everybody's talking about God or the big man upstairs or somebody's watching over me or, you know, they use God, but they, use, they don't know who they're talking about, right? The unknown God, that seems to explain our society. I mean, our society makes God like a lucky charm or, you know, the rabbit's foot or something that, 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 that they want to carry for luck. Our society acknowledges there's a God. He's just unknown to many, many people. People say they believe God. You talk to people, oh, yeah, I believe God. They say they go to church, too, but they lie. Um uh, we say we believe in God in our society, but we, we believe in evolution. You know, evolution is king, 
I'm telling you, it's it's permeated into our church. And this is a good church. It's a good Bible-believing, conservative church. But the majority of Christians believe in some type of evolution. And when you do that, you start tearing away the foundation, the foundation of our faith. Uh, people say they believe uh, in God, but they believe in evolution. They believe in parts of the Bible. They don't believe in all the Bible. They say they believe in Jesus, that he's a good way to heaven. But he's not a good way. The Bible says he's the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. People say they believe in church. They don't go much. Uh, but it's an option. It's a good option. Uh, a lot of people, they pray when they're in trouble. They don't pray when everything's going well. So we really pick and choose, our society now, our picks, pick and choose what they believe. Uh, and they don't really hold fast to that, if you notice. Uh, on the other hand, we have another problem. Oh, the pendulum swings over here. You have a lot of legalistic Christians. They have rules. Rules. Man, I mean, you got to abide by the rules. Uh, you know, the Bible says do this, don't do that. I mean, they, they, they set up a rule. In fact, we have some churches, Baptist churches. They have a list of things you can do or cannot do, and you sign it. I don't know if you've ever been in a church like that. I actually was a pastor of a church like that. That's another story. But, I mean, you know, it's easy to develop rules. But I learned when I was a pastor of a church like that, you can sign something and actually even do those things and your heart not be in it. It's your heart. How is your walk with the Lord? How is your, your, your heart, your faith? So you can have a lot of rules and not even, you know, not a relationship with the Lord. You know, I mean, rules in the Bible, there are some good rules. Uh, but they're for our protection. You know, when God gave the Ten Commandments, there had not been any social rules. You know, you can just about do anything you want. God gave the Ten Commandments to His people because He wanted to protect His people. They are His people. You know, you ought to live like this. You ought to do these things. These are good for you. I got a picture of some dogs behind a fence. You know, if you put a fence up, you, it's to protect what you own. You don't put a fence up to protect your neighbors. You might put a fence up to keep your neighbors out. But rules aren't bad, but they don't make your relationship with God right. I mean, God is God. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He created everything. The Bible is His story. It's history. It's what He has done. Who, what He is doing. God doesn't need anything. He is perfect. And yet, He includes you and me that are imperfect. That, that staggers my thinking. Why would He, why would he use me? Why, you know, why would He use any of us? Uh, but He does. And He loves us. Yeah, I, I was going to someplace. I'm, I'm about there. If there is a God, He is the Creator. That means He has purpose. You know, the Bible is His story. It has a beginning and it has an ending. There is a purpose in what He has written. There is a purpose in His creation. He didn't just roll the ball and see what happens and see what evolves. God is at work. He created because... The Creator has a reason for His creation. Jesus came into the world. He was God as man. That was big. 
I mean, you know, if people recognize Jesus is kind of funny. You can go to China, and you know the, the year is 2015. In fact, you can go to Egypt, 2015. What is that? 2015. Jesus divided time before Christ and the Anio Dominio, the year of our Lord Jesus. No matter where you go around the world, people are recognizing, whether they know it or not, that God had a plan and a time. Jesus' death on the cross, tremendous significance. As, as we read it, we understand His forgiveness. We begin to understand His purposes. But it's by faith that we trust Him. Do you trust Him? Have you, have, have you given your heart to Jesus? Have, have you given your life to Him? You know, when Dr. Rosenblatt was sharing, you know, who would have thought at 15 years old this girl would have any good coming out of her life? When I was 17 in the hospital with a DUI, who would have thought that anything good would come through my life? My wife still wonders, anything good? But God is at work. The difference between you and me and the world, the world doesn't understand faith. It is by faith that we are saved. It is by faith that we receive Christ. It is by faith that we really believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It's that faith. You know, we, we can't, it's hard to prove anything. You know, what, if you have two scientists in a room, one believes in God, one does not believe in God. When they look at something, the one that believes in God goes, wow, these are amazing statistics. I praise the Lord. Look at this. The one that doesn't believe, look at these amazing statistics. It proves there must not be a God. It really starts before we even get to that point. By faith. Either you believe or you don't believe. You don't believe by faith. We believe by faith. But do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? I remember as a 20-year-old guy living in, in Memphis, Tennessee at the Navy base there. Invited to church. I didn't go to church because I went to church to pick up girls. They said there's a lot of girls at church. There are. A friend of mine got saved. He's about 45 years old. He goes, Gary, you know, he's divorced. He goes, Gary, I need to go to church. I go, why? I mean, I've been witnessing to him for years and years. He goes, oh, there'd be a lot of women there. I go, oh, man, that sounds good. I, I do. I mean, I don't know why you're here, but it's by faith that we trust him. That He really has a purpose for your life. Your life. All those things that have happened to you have brought you to a place right now. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? It's exciting. I, I, I get excited. I, I thank God that He allows me to, to share the message of the Bible and to share with people. I'm excited that my neighbor, the guy I was telling you about, accepted Christ. And, uh, you know, that God could use me. But He uses everybody. If you trust Him, man, you, you can see His hand at work. Do you trust Him? You know, I'm fortunate. You've got three kids. They're all three married now. They're all three in full-time ministry. I remember thinking back to my mom. I thought, man, my mom, she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. And through her, she's got grandkids that are serving the Lord. No matter where you are in life, God's not done with you. Trust Him. He has got bigger plans than you can imagine. you got to trust Him.
Let's go to him in prayer with our heads bowed. Dear Lord, we may not understand everything. We don't. I don't understand everything. But Lord, I understand that life somehow revolves around you. So God, I want to trust you. I wanted to trust you at age 20, in 30s and 40s, and even now at 60, Lord, I've got to trust you. Lord, you, you see further than I can see. And you're doing things that I cannot possibly understand. So, Lord, I, I personally, I trust you, and I want to trust you. But, Lord, I pray for each one of us here. Lord, we're, we're in job situations or maybe no job situations. We're in a situation like Brian where, where he's on his own. He, his family left him. Lord, you were all in difficult situations. But, Lord, we trust you. We, we want to trust you. Because, God, the answers lie in you. They don't lie in our wisdom and our thinking and our abilities. They lie in you. And so, Lord, we trust you. And it may not look good today, but we trust you for a greater tomorrow, for your will to be done in our lives. We submit our lives to you. We open our hearts. Say, please come in. Please leave. Please take over. We pray in your name. We're going to sing, I believe. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. And as we're singing, I'll be here. I'll be glad to pray with you. We have a lot of good people that will be glad to pray with you. But we're going to have an invitation. And Baptist Church is an invitation. It is giving you an opportunity to respond however God speaks to your heart. You say, do you have to come forward? No, of course not. But what a great time. If God is speaking to your heart, right now might be the best time that you have. So as we stand, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing. And as we sing, if God's speaking to your heart, we invite you to come, and we want to help you. We'll find somebody that will help you and pray with you and get you on the right track. As we sing, would you come?